Hi, welcome to Broadway Assembly Church Podcast. We are excited for you to be joining us today. If you want to get a notification of the most recent uploads, please subscribe to our podcast. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy. 1 Thessalonians 5.21. Praise the Lord. Tomorrow's Valentine's Day. Be sure to tell those that you love. Hug your family. Tell them you love them. Right? Don't take them for granted. Praise the Lord. Hey, did you guys hear about the pastor parrot? pastor had a parrot that uh, all he could say was, let's pray, let's pray. And the pastor tried to teach him to say other things to no avail. All the parrot would say is, let's pray, let's pray. pastor learned that one of his deacons had a parrot, and it could also talk, but the only thing it would ever say is, let's kiss, let's kiss. So the pastor decided to invite the deacon and his parrot over to the house. They put the two parrots in the same cage, see what would happen. They did okay. Finally, the the men overheard the parrots, and the deacon's parrot continued to say, let's kiss, let's kiss. And the pastor's parents said, thank you, Lord, my prayers have been answered. (laughs) I knew you needed a smile. Praise God. Amen. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 21, for a few moments tonight. Praise the Lord. First Thessalonians 5.21. I just can't get out of this. I know we talked about it last Sunday, but we focused on a little different part of this passage. Tonight we're going to really just kind of hone in on uh, this one verse. First Thessalonians 5.21. It's a real long text, as you can see. Right? Don't, don't, uh, don't blink or you'll miss it. Prove all things. And here's what I want us to see. Hold fast that which is good. Say that with me. Hold fast that which is good. Give me the old time religion. And hold fast. It is good. Father, touch us here tonight as we take a few moments in your word. I pray that you just continue to pour out your grace and presence in our midst. Touch our eyes, our ears, our minds, and our hearts. Glorify yourself in your word tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. All God's children say amen. Amen. God bless you as you're seated. Danish philosopher Soren Kierkegaard used to tell a parable. It was the story of uh, a community of ducks. Each Sunday, he said, they waddled off to duck church to hear the duck preacher. The duck preacher spoke eloquently of how God had given the ducks wings that they could fly. With these wings, there was nowhere the ducks could not go. There was no God-given task that the ducks could not accomplish. With those wings, they could soar into the presence of God himself. Shouts of amen were quacked throughout the duck 
congregation. At the conclusion of the service, the ducks left, and all of them were commenting on what a wonderful message they had heard. And each one waddled all the way home. So the point of the parable that the philosopher was highlighting is this. It's not just the acquisition of truth that counts. It's also the application of truth that really matters. Did you get that? The Apostle Paul wants the believers here at the church at Thessalonica to strengthen their grip on their faith. And he doesn't want them to just talk about it, nod in agreement, and as good as amens sound to the preacher. He doesn't just want an amen. He wants them to do it. And so Paul is closing his letter by giving various rapid-fire exhortations to the believers at the church there in Thessalonica. And these urgings are actually just very practical. You read the list. They're practical instructions that would be fitting to any believer to obey, including you and I these days. And so I want us just to look at this, and I want to speak tonight for a few minutes on strengthening your grip, strengthening your grip. Now, I thought it interesting, the words hold fast here is a translation of a couple different Greek words that means to hold firmly or to hold down lest a valued object slip away from you. So it means to take possession of a valuable thing and and never let it slip out of your custody or control. Um, to me, it has the idea of, of just uh, wrapping your arms around an object and you're refusing to let go, kind of like uh, somebody or something uh, getting a big bear hug. You know what I'm talking about? Um, and daring them to slip away. Give me Brother Brandon. Come here, brother. Um, I mean, Paul implies that if we don't intentionally embrace the good with a tight grip, it could easily be taken from us. Brother, would you grab one of those chairs? Give it a big old bear hug. I knew he would do it. This is just so Brandon-esque. No, 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 you're not done with it yet. Okay, I want you to hang on to it, all right, because I'm going to try to get it away from you, okay? You got to hold fast. You ready? Are you sure? Let me see how tight your grip is here. It's pretty good. Pretty good. He's pretty solid. <laughs> all right. I think he's almost about to turn red. <laughs> hmm?
I see his, his knuckles are turning white. Thank you. Good job. See, Paul implies that if we don't intentionally embrace the good with a very tight grip, it's going to be very easy in the culture at Thessalonica and obviously our culture today to let the good... Um, which means the holy, um, the godly, the righteous. It's going to be easy to let that go. And I got to looking at the Greek behind the word good there, and it actually implies uh, good here in the text means something that has been tested, something that has been proven something that has been shown to be authentic. I like that. It is to be seen as, uh, one commentator said, a, a very valuable coin that has been proven worthy to be put into public circulation. We're not talking about some little fake coin is not authentic, but one that is genuine, reliable, dependable. And in our culture, how many know we're losing grip on a lot of things that are reliable, a lot of genuine, a lot of truth. And, and our culture is abandoning many of the social morals that were founded on biblical principles. And Paul's concern is that believers, if they're not careful, uh, they'll follow suit, following the world. And so he says, hold on tight. I read recently about a commuter flight from, uh, I believe it was Portland, Maine, uh, to Boston uh, back in 1987. Um, the small jet was in the air. The pilot heard an unusual noise in the rear of the plane, and the pilot's name was Henry uh, Dempsey. And he turned over the controls to his co-pilot, and he went to the back, to the rear uh, of the plane to check out what this noise was. And so when he reached the tail section, uh, the plane hit an air pocket, and uh, Mr. Dempsey was knocked off balance and fell against the rear door. And he quickly discovered the source of the mysterious noise. That rear door had been improperly latched prior to takeoff. And when Mr. Dempsey, the pilot, uh, fell into it, it flew open. Dempsey was immediately sucked out of that small jet. And the co-pilot immediately saw the red light that indicated the door was open. And so he radioed to the nearest airport requesting permission for an emergency landing. And he reported that uh, the pilot, Dempsey, had fallen out of the plane and uh, 
he asked for a helicopter to go on a search uh, and search the area. And he proceeded to land, and amazingly, he said, the ground crew, when he stopped the plane, found Mr. Dempsey holding on to the outdoor ladder. Somehow, when he got sucked out, he managed to catch a hold of the ladder and held on for 10 minutes as that plane was flying a couple hundred miles an hour at the altitude, they said, of 4,000 feet. And then when they landed, he managed to keep from hitting the runway, which was 12 inches away from his head. And according to the news reports, it took the personnel several minutes to pry his fingers free from the ladder. He had clutched them so tight, hanging on for dear life. And I thought in today's pressured world, it's very easy to get sucked into all sorts of things. Temptations that could easily destroy any of us. We need to get a grip on something. We need to hold on for dear life to the eternal values that God has given every one of us. Don't let go. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't let go. Paul knew that life throws some challenges at us. If we're not careful, those challenges cause our grip to loosen, to weaken. If we're not careful, Paul would advise that when this happens, we should dig, in, dig our heels into the ground. The old timers used to say, refuse to let the goodness and the grace of God slip away. We're to hold fast to what we profess. You know, don't, don't let go even a small portion of it. Right? Broadway, don't even let go of a small portion. Paul says, keep on believing until your dying day. What you have professed and confessed as truth of the gospel, that's what we're called to do. Hold fast. Something is implied in this command which we could easily overlook, and the fact that we are told here to hold fast to the good implies that we already possess the good. We couldn't hold fast to something that we didn't already have. And so we're not told to go out and, and, and get a hold on it for the very first time. No. They had it. They just had to be careful not to let it slip away. And the implication is you have it in, and you have it in your possession. It's yours. God has already given it to you. How many's ever received? You felt like you've received from God. Maybe it was something in a service. Maybe it was an answer to a prayer. Maybe it was the call of God. Maybe, see, God uses various means to give gifts to the members of the church and church body of Christ. He uses parents to impart good to the children. He uses the local church itself. He uses Sunday school teachers. I'm glad for our Sunday school teachers. He uses Sunday school classes and teachers to impart the good. Now consider for a moment how he can use those years of instruction 
whether it's instruction in the home or years of instruction in the Sunday school class or instruction in the church of, of hearing preaching and teaching. And he uses that as, as giving a gift of truth. And God says, it's yours and it's valuable, right? How many know Sunday school teaching is not a waste of time? You are imparting valuable truth. And that truth, Scripture says, sets us free. The truth is what is going to save us in the end. And the truth is what confronts our slip-ups and our mess-ups and our sins. The truth confronts us concerning the troubles and the afflictions of life. The truth gives us hope. Hope of blessed eternal life that is to come in the future. Listen, lies can't comfort. Lies give a little bit of hope, but it's usually a false hope. Always a false hope, really. Right? And that false hope will in time lead to despair. But listen, the truth is the only thing that lasts. When we think of this, it's no wonder that Paul tells us, hold fast. Don't ever let go. If we let go of it, it's going to be at great cost. Right? So, so to hold fast implies a, a few things. Let me just share a, a few of them that I, I, I think would apply. First of all, to hold fast means don't forget what you believe. Don't forget what you believe. Truth, truth is we can sometimes forget the things we learned in Sunday school. We can forget what our parents have taught us. We can forget and, and forget that what we've learned from the, the pulpit of a church. And, and, and soon we no longer know what the Scripture teach on a certain topic or a subject. And, and it's usually because we haven't given priority to that. Oh, we've known it in the past, and, but we don't know it anymore because we let it slip. To hold fast to the truth means continue to know and remember what you've been taught. Secondly, holding fast means continue to learn. When one makes a confession of faith, it doesn't mean that they know it all. Boy, how many's found out when you got saved, it just started. It was just the beginning, right? We cannot say, well, pastor, I read the Bible through, so I don't need to study anymore. How many know that's not the case? Shouldn't ever be the case. The child of God is always learning. The scriptures are Filled with the revelation of Christ. Filled with the riches of the gospel. Oh, I found out I can never exhaust them. There are always new things to learn. You read through the Bible from year to year in your private devotions, but every time, I don't know about you, but I'll come across something. I never realized that before. Well, that's because Hebrews says it's a living book. It's a lie. There's always more to learn, lots more to learn and discover. And the believer is therefore one who continues to learn. Amen. 
Thirdly, hold fast means don't waver. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't waver. The most tragic changes and apostasies and heresies in the church, how many know it didn't happen suddenly? It happened subtly. Over time, 200 years ago, no one would have ever even remotely accepted the stuff that goes on under the name of Christianity today. Right? 200 years ago, German theologian Frederick Schleiermacher began uh, altering biblical doctrines to align better with his humanistic philosophy. And all he did was start questioning a few ultimate, uh, a, a few scriptures that talked about the ultimate authority of the Bible. That's all. Just a little waver, hardly noticeable by, by many other scholars unknown by many in the pews of the churches back then, those who disagreed with him soon were dismissed as traditionalists and, and uh, uh, unsophisticated and unlearned. What happened? Some folks didn't hold tight. They didn't hold fast. It was a little insignificant seemingly waver on what seemed to be maybe a minor issue. Beloved, we must hold fast to the faith without wavering. The text implies that to waver is our enemy. To waver simply in the, in the strict context here means to lean. To just lean. Someone who wavers is someone who leans this way for a while. Then he leans the other way for a while. Huh? He doesn't have a good, solid, firm footing or foundation. He's someone who's been carried about, like Paul told the church at Ephesus in chapter 4. He says, you guys can get carried about by every wind and wave of doctrine. New ideas come along and say, you say, well, maybe they're right. Maybe that's better than what I've believed all these years. Maybe I've been wrong all this time. Listen, someone who wavers is easily deceived, and he just goes with the flow, and he's carried along by friends and their ideas, and the result is in a time he changes. Hmm? He doesn't stand fast. He doesn't hold fast. Rather, he drifts hmm, from the truth. And that's why Paul emphasizes that when it comes to holding fast your faith and holding fast your commitment to Christ, to do so without wavering. Do so without changing. Hmm? Do not change in how you say the Scriptures apply to you or the people of God. Don't change and, and say, well, you know, the Word of God is dated and the admonitions of the New Testament were just for those who lived at that time. Probably not going to apply to me. So, so we get carried away and we drift away and the truth that we once had a grip on is slipping away. Hmm? Paul says, don't lean this way and then lean that way. Just because everyone else is going in those directions, you don't have to go with the crowd. Listen, I use this illustration because it's truth that makes a point very clear. In Billy Graham's early years as an evangelist, he became good friends with another young evangelist named Charles Templeton. 
Both Billy Graham and Charles Templeton were gifted speakers, preachers, but many of them considered Templeton to be more gifted and thought that he would be the one that would become more famous. But Templeton began to question his belief in Scripture. And after a struggle with doubt, uh, Charles Templeton openly denied the faith that he once preached and proclaimed. He then tried to convince Billy Graham to stop believing the Bible. He would say, and I quote, Billy, you're 50 years out of date. People no longer accept the Bible as being inspired the way you do. Your faith is just too simple. After a while, his words got to Billy Graham for the first time in his life. Billy Graham said he found his confidence in God's Word being shaken. Doubts began to come into his mind and, and, and uh, haunt him. And the timing of this crisis in his early ministry was unfortunate because he said he was scheduled for the Los Angeles uh, crusade, which became one of the biggest crusades yet. And it was quickly approaching. So haunted by these doubts, one night Billy Graham said he made his way into the foothills of the mountains there in California. And he began to pour out his heart to God. He said he began to pour out his fears and his doubts. And he said after hours of roaming through those hills, he finally felt the burden of his doubts being lifted. And with the moonlight, he stayed into the night. He said with the moonlight shining down upon him, he took his Bible and he opened it and laid it on a tree stump. And with tears, he said, streaming down his face, he prayed this prayer to the Lord. And I quote, he said, Father, I am going to accept this as your word by faith and he said I'm going to allow faith to go beyond my intellectual questions and doubts and he said I will believe this to be your inspired word praise God in a critical moment of doubt and questions when his faith in the scripture was under attack Billy Graham young Billy Graham held fast I said he held fast by believing with all of his heart. Paul said, don't swerve to the right hand or to the left. Hold fast without wavering one iota of the truth. That's the command in Scripture. And can I tell you, to do that in this culture is not going to be easy. It's difficult, first of all, because of all the uh, rampant apostasy of our day. Most people are changing. changing like i said they consider us to be old-fashioned they say that we're behind the times therefore they criticize or they'll put pressure for us to join them and we may get tempted from time to time because i mean who wants to hang out with the few when you could run with the crowd right who wants to be among the, the few who are, for the most part, criticized, ridiculed? Listen, it is much easier to say, yes, we better start doing what they're saying we ought to be doing. We better start believing what they believe and at least agree that it doesn't matter what we believe. Yes, it does. 
Because of such persecution, Paul's admonition is, is challenging. Huh? It, it's a challenge one to heed. But not only is it difficult, we can't hold fast on our own. Hmm? That's why it's important to note the statement further down in the text, verse 24. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. If we do our part, God will do His. That is what makes it possible. We will be able to hold fast. Why? Because God is faithful. We make promises and we often break them. Not God, because He's faithful. And that is because He's an unchanging God. This is the truth concerning Him that is expressed in the name Jehovah when He said, I am what I am. Listen, He is the God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes His mind with regard to the promises that He makes. And He is faithful and He allows us to strengthen our grip because of His faithfulness. We know that He came through the last time and he's going to come through this time and he's going to come through the next time praise God praise God he makes a promise that even though we make ourselves unworthy of God keeping that promise aren't you glad he still does I said that we are unfaithful at times doesn't make a difference to God that he's still faithful when he makes a promise to us it's going to happen I said it's going to happen. Consider this promise of God in Scripture. Hebrews 13, 5. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. That is a promise. Hold on to it. Don't let that promise slip away, Broadway. Then there's the promise in Philippians 1, 6. Being confident of this very thing, that he that hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Oh, I like that. That's another good promise. You need to hang on to it. Hold it fast. God says you didn't begin this. I did. You haven't begun it. I'm going to continue it. And I'm not going to start something and then walk away from it. I'm going to continue it until the day that my son returns and then we're going to take you to glory listen what a blessed promise hold fast in that assurance listen broadway do me a favor and recognize that ultimately our culture is never neutral towards god it's always moving us away that's why they've got to hold fast because there is a there is a driving force behind every culture, and it has one agenda. It is to move us away from God, move us away from our commitment. Ephesians 2 speaks of the course of this world. Remember that phrase? Paul uses it. The course of this world, after the course of this world, that means the flow. This world is moving in a direction. There is a cultural current, right? And that current follows, Paul says, the prince, the power of the air, which is Satan, a.k.a. Lucifer, a.k.a. the devil. Hello. And the course of this world, including popular culture, how many's found out it's not following the course of the church? 
No, it's following the course of the world. And the course of this world isn't flowing towards God. It's flowing away from God. And God is the creator. He's the owner of the earth. But the course of the world has its values and social trends and beliefs that are under the power of Satan. And his goal is always to separate us from the living and dynamic relationship with God that we have. And Satan's strategy never strays far from the effect that, like Charles uh, Templeton and his words to Billy Graham, it caused confusion, doubt. Listen, Satan wants to shake our faith. He wants to create doubt in our minds about God's word, causes us to question its relevance to our lives. He wants to kill, steal, and choke out the potential of God's word that it produces spiritual life in and through us. And the burden on my heart is especially tonight for our young folks to recognize this. Folks, be prepared for it. Listen, more than anything else, the enemy wants to pry God's word out of your life. Listen, he doesn't care if you reject it outright or just simply neglect it. Listen, he just doesn't want you to hold fast to it. Hmm? Your faith is going to be contested at some point in your life, child of God. There will be questions. There will be doubts. There will be opposition. There will be adversity. Just expect it. But hold fast. I said, but hold fast. Is this okay? It's pretty simple, isn't it? It's pretty simple, I know. But you got to settle in your mind. And I want to give you an observation. Because this will help us. Because here's the fact. Hearing God's word isn't the same as holding fast to God's word. Hmm? Sometimes we think, it's enough that we hear God's word regularly, weekly. Well, Pastor, I come to church. I, I listen to your message. I'm glad. Thank you very much. Pastor, I read my Bible. The parable of the sower in Luke chapter 8 makes it clear that hearing God's word and holding fast to God's word are two very different things. Because all four types of seed sown heard the same word. Hmm? But only that fourth, I think it was the fourth, soil held it fast. Luke 8, 15 says, but that seed on the ground uh, are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience I think it would be a mistake to think that this fourth person uh, typology wise in this text somehow avoided all the efforts of the enemy to separate him or her from God's word no he came under attack just like all the others the enemy tried to steal the seed of God's word out of the soil Trials threaten to burn up the seed. Cares of life, riches, pleasures, you know the story of the world attempted to choke out, right? God's word. But the difference is this, this fourth soil held fast. 
And they weren't casual hearers of God's word. They took it in and they held it tight. And in the end, we find that holding fast paid off. Right? Listen. How many know Christ saved us, cleansed us, and gave us a clean heart to walk with him? And we may not understand everything. There's been plenty I don't understand. And we may still have questions. But this I know. Christ is my Savior. And by God's grace, I will not deny him. Amen. Hallelujah. Faith doesn't mean throwing our minds away and never thinking again. No. The Bible is an amazing book like no other in history. It answers the deepest questions of life. It, it explains the world and human history like nothing else. Listen, and it provides redemptive, hope-filled promises that give strength and comfort in the darkest of nights. But there will be unanswered questions. There will be something that can shake our faith from time to time. And, and the pressures of doubt. Yes, we will struggle sometimes. And that's Okay, don't let that scare you, huh? Because we're all going to have unanswered questions. We don't have to be afraid of that. And the fact that we don't know everything, no one really does or can't answer every question. No one really can. Doesn't mean that what we do know and what we are believing isn't true. Hmm? Ask the Lord to help you in the midst of doubt and fear rather than fall away. Let the, hmm, hallelujah. Don't let the good slip away. Do what Billy Graham did. Fall to your knees and cry out to God and he'll reveal himself to you afresh and anew. And he'll bring you to a place of strong faith, bring you to a place of confidence, a place of holding fast the words of life and his his word will bring forth fruit. Amen. Somebody give him praise. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. Though Billy Graham and Charles Templeton remained friends for most of their lives, Templeton never returned to the faith that he knew and had preached in his youth. Two years before his death, in 2001, he, pu he published a critique of Christianity entitled, Farewell to God, My Reasons for Rejecting the Christian Faith. It was actually a very sloppy book, a lot of careless mistakes and errors in it. But near the end of his life, they said it is recorded that he seemed to long for the Jesus that he had long ago denied. In an interview with a Christian journalist, Lee Strobel, who wrote the book, The Case for Christ, The Case for Faith, Lee Strobel interviewed him. And he looked at Lee Strobel and he said, I miss Jesus. I miss him. And Lee Strobel asked him, whether he would like to believe. And he responded, of course, he said, if I could. But he said, I'm 83 years old. He said, I've got Alzheimer's. I'm dying for goodness sake. But I miss Jesus. What a sad story. He let it slip. 
He once had it, but he didn't hold fast. For Billy Graham, just a few months after he knelt in the moonlight and proclaimed his determination to believe the word of God, he said that he saw God move in an extraordinary way there in the Los Angeles crusade. And that's what launched him into becoming basically a household name. Listen, today there's a simple bronze plaque that marks the spot, they say, where Billy Graham determined there in the woods to hold fast to God's word. Listen, may the Lord give us grace in these days to run to him and not let his truth slip away. It'll bear fruit in the end. If you feel like your grip is beginning to weaken tonight and loosen. Brother Brandon, can you come here again? I'm giving him a workout. I'm on close. I'm on close here shortly. My wife says, you ain't done nothing ever shortly. <laughs> you want to get that chair again, bro? If I keep pulling on it long enough, he's going to tire. Oh, look at him. He's getting smart. He was back there thinking, I'm going to, I should have crossed my fingers. He's got them interlocked. Good plan. But you know what? After a while, even interlocked fingers is not going to be the key because he's going to, he's going to, you're letting it slip. You're letting it slip. What are you going to do? Why don't you ask God for reinforcements? God, can you send some help to All right. How about some guys? Come help him. Well, God didn't hear your prayer. You better pray again. <laughs> huh? Lord, help me. Oh, aren't you glad God can send reinforcements? Huh? When the current of the world pulls, man. Huh? Oh, he's got even another one coming. Come on, bro. Get a hold. Praise God. Praise God. Oh, no, I'm not budging it now. I'm not budging it now. Huh? Why? Because God says, when you ask me. His disciples said, Lord, what are we going to do? You're leaving. You're going away. But he said, I'll send one. The paraclete, the comforter, that's reinforcements. Oh, somebody give him praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Brandon's not even, not even squinting. He's not even turning red. Huh? He's got it made. Why? Because reinforcements came. Thank you, Jesus. Revelation 3.11, behold, I come quickly. Hold fast that which thou hast. That no man take thy crown. Hey, there's a lot of thieves out there. They want your crown. They want my crown. Hello? I said, they want your crown. Tonight, listen, friend, hold fast. Strengthen your grip tonight. Hold fast that which is good. Praise God. 
Praise God. Listen, Broadway, we've got some faithful people. And we've, this church was birthed on faithful people, built on the backs of faithful people. Listen, many of them has already crossed the threshold into the heavenly realm. Huh? And they represented, they embodied faithfulness. They embodied uh, the truth that they had lived and the example of Scripture that they had lived out for years. Listen, friend, though they may be gone, we must not let those characteristics slip away. Hold fast. Oh, God, help us hold fast that which is good. Broadway, you've lived the gospel. You've lived evangelism. Right? Hold fast to it. Don't let it go. Oh, somebody say, help me hold fast. Strengthen our grip this evening, God. Hallelujah. Sis Jones, you can come. I'm getting very close. Tonight, a much-anticipated football game is being played. I know only like three people probably knew that. But listen, in each play... Men will face off across a line of scrimmage. A call is going to be made. Leather will slap. Bodies will collide and crash. Hmm? And for what is it? Four 15-minute quarters. Men will expend a, 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 a enormous energy and efforts to get a piece of pig skin in their possession. And not only in their possession, but they want to move it up or down the field toward the goal hello and so in the end right one team will emerge victorious right the one thing that it will take for the winning team to be declared the champions will be for them to take possession of the ball and hold it fast huh in spite of the opposition they better not let it go Right? Until they get it to where the goalpost is. Listen, friend, whichever team manages to hold fast that ball and move it towards the goal will be declared the winners. Listen, friend, I want to be in the winner's circle on judgment day. I said, I want to be there. Why? Because I held fast that which is good. Hold fast, Broadway. I want you to stand with me. Hold fast. Let no man take your crown. Father, here tonight, touch us. Jesus, Jesus, minister. Let your grace touch us tonight. Maybe there's someone here, and I really feel this in my spirit. God, they need to strengthen their grip. Strengthen their grip. Don't let their commitment slip. Don't let their faithfulness wane. But rather, God, let them get a fresh grip on you tonight. In Jesus' name, altars are open. God bless you. Would you come? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You know it's true. Hold fast to the promise that is sure. Old